God's people said? Well, I'm excited to be here because this church, someone goes to this church that's my favorite pastor in the whole world. I think you know who it is. His name's Charles Hunt. Now, if y'all don't know, if you don't know, y'all got the, y'all got the top guy. I mean, there's just no doubt. I love that guy. He's so contagious, his joy, his love for the Lord. And I'm just always excited uh, when I get to come to this church. This is the first time. This is a big day for me. This is the first time I've got to come to this church when I wasn't filling in for somebody that didn't come. So this is like my day, okay, that I, I got to be the guy. And I didn't get sick and anybody didn't fill in for me. I got to, I got to come. I'm so excited to be here. My name is Frank Harper. I'm the president of, the, of Defending the Faith Alliance. I am also the chief legal counsel. It's really strange. I am a preacher and a lawyer. I know. It's bizarre. Some people say, I didn't even know you could be a Christian and a lawyer. And um, you might not, but one's on billboards, probably not. But I am one of the good guys. And so I defend three things. I defend churches, ministries, and Christian businesses. And this church happens to be in our church shield. Uh, we have over 100 churches that we protect. And uh, we actually have three of our churches. They're right here in Longview, Texas. And if you don't know, I'm right here from East Texas and was uh, saved right, right here uh, nearby. I was actually saved in Gladewater, Texas, right in front of the rodeo grounds going down uh, Highway 80. And uh, I used to witness... Uh, every single night to kids on Highway 80 right here in Longview, Texas. They would all drive up and down the strip, and I, I must have won them all to Christ because I was there last night, and I didn't see any of them. <laughs> but maybe we all, we all just got old, and kids don't do that anymore. They stay home and play video games and watch Netflix and stuff. We didn't have that stuff, you know, when I was growing up. We didn't have cell phones. You know, my, my family's here. My daughter's here. I was trying to tell her the other day there was such a thing as pay phones. She's like, what's that, Dad? You know, it's like drop a dime. You could put a dime in it and call. Why would, you, why, would you, why would you do that? My beautiful wife, Becky, is here. And we have, uh, we have four children. We have uh, boy-girl twins. They're 24, uh, Graham and Gabrielle. We have a, tw- a 22, 23-year-old. 22 <laughs> I'm going to get mixed up on their ages. I have a 22-year-old named Hunter. Uh, my two boys, they produce our TV program, which is called Defending the Faith. Uh, you can see that on Saturday nights on Now uh, Christian Television. If you want to find out anything about us, you can go to defendingthefaith.com and you can uh, see our programs and all kinds of stuff that, that we do. Uh, we, we do represent um, churches. Y'all are in our Church Shield program, and what's amazing about that is if you're in our Church Shield program, every member of any of our Church Shield programs, uh, they get free wills, free living wills, and revocable living trust. We also have advanced directives and barrel instructions and executor instructions and uh, all kinds of stuff. And we're going to have a seminar today. Um, if you didn't sign up for it, you can still come. I told Brother Charles to, to make room because this is an incredible wills and trusts seminar that I do. It's one of my favorite things that I do. We'll answer every single question that you have. Now, and then, by the way, it's over $6,000 in in free legal stuff that we're going to give you today. You're going to give it to your family for life. It's e- equipping. How many of you in this room do not have a will? Would you raise your hand? Okay, I got you. I know a guy. So uh, how many of you, though, have a will, but you need to update your will? Okay, I got, I got you too. I know a guy for that. Did you know that if you die without a will, I know three things about you. 
Number one, when you die, you left way too much money to the government. Maybe all of it. Um, number two, you left too little to your family. But number three, you left zero to God. And I mean nothing. Not a Frito, a Cheeto, Dorito, a Shekel, nothing. I mean, you left zero to God. So today in this seminar, I'm going to teach you how you can leave way more to your family, way less to the government, and leave something to the Lord if you want to. And it's all uh, totally free. And when you come, I'm going to give you one of these. Now, this is a golden ticket. How many of you have seen Willy Wonka in the Chocolate Factory? Mm -hmm. You know what that is? Free wheels, free, free chocolate for life. This is my Willy Wonka ticket, and it's free wills for life. And so you definitely want to come to our, our seminar and be a part of that. We will give this to you because we believe that taking care of your family is a stewardship issue. And by the way, there's no obligation. I mean, and uh, you can leave something to this church if you want to, but there's no pressure whatsoever. So it's just it's something that you can do if you, if you want to, and we want to bless you. And by the way, your church pays for this. Uh, because they're in our church shield program, so it's all for free. And I'll answer every question that you have. You may say, well, my mom's going in a nursing home. We won't want to lose our family. Do we need to do a ladybird deed? Uh, do we need to do a transfer on death deed? You're going to learn all kinds of stuff in this seminar. This is not the kind of thing that you normally hear in church, but it's very, very important information. And so I hope that you will stay with us and uh, learn all of this stuff. We want to bless you. And then the newest thing that we have, it's... Uh, it's just uh, 40 days old is our Kingdom Shield program, and it's for Christian businesses. And uh, we just started this, so if you have a Christian business and you're Christian-owned and operated, get one of our brochures off our, our table out there, and we'll, we'll tell you more about it. And also, since I've been here last time, uh, I got a new book called Prove It, uh, and I got those with me. And it's also coming out on Audible next month. So some of you don't read and you just listen on Audible. You can find out about that. Well, I'm so excited to be here. You know, I was an atheist for 21 years of my life. And when I was 21 years old, I had a pastor, a Southern Baptist pastor right here in East Texas at First Baptist Liberty City who challenged me to disprove Christianity. Now, I took him up on that challenge, and I thought it was going to be very easy to prove that Christianity was not the truth. But I discovered that there is powerful information from science history, archaeology, prophecy, many different areas which demonstrate beyond a shadow of a doubt that Christianity is the truth. And since that time, I've dedicated my life to helping people not only understand how to become a Christian, but why they should become a Christian. And so if you have a Bible, I want you to turn with me to John chapter 14 this morning. And this morning, we're going to talk about why Christianity is the truth. Have you ever thought about that? I mean, why is Jesus the truth and Buddha not the truth? Why is Jesus the way and Muhammad not the way? Why don't you follow Confucius? He had a lot of great sayings. I mean, why is it that we want to say that Christianity is the truth? Well, today we're going to look at the question of a skeptic. He's one of the greatest skeptics in all the Bible, and his name is, is Thomas. And we have a nickname for Thomas. What's his nickname? Doubting Thomas. And so we're going to look at this question of Doubting Thomas. It's a very probing, very pertinent question. Jesus starts off in John chapter 14, verse 1, saying, Let not your heart be troubled. 
You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, the way you know. And here comes the skeptic's question. And then Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going, and how can we know the way? That's a great question. How can we know the way? And Jesus, verse 6, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You know, 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ made a claim. He made an unbelievable, unique claim. He claimed to be God. Now, that's an incredible claim. I mean, if we had someone here today in Longview, Texas, that somehow made it to the church through the hail and the ice today. Did you see all that ice? I mean, Walt Tehan, Walt and Kathy Lou were singing up here. They sang in Becky and I's wedding. It took them an hour to get here from Liberty City today. But I mean, if we had someone that drove all the way here to Woodland Hills, they marched up on this day and then said, they said, we have an announcement, we need to pause the service. Someone got up here and said, I just got to tell everybody, I'm God. What would your reaction be? <laughs> yeah, you would laugh, right? Because I mean, we actually have a word for that kind of person that would do something like that. It's called mentally ill. Now, I tell you what, I was in an airport one time. And by the way, I appreciate uh, my good friend, Tammy Whitehurst. Uh, she's amazing. She's, she, you know, y'all got so many great people in your church. And by the way, uh, K.K. Duggins is here. K. Duggins, she's the daughter of Buddy Duggins, who was my best friend. Died uh, a couple years ago, preached his Easter sermon at Forest Home Baptist Church, Kilgore, Texas, and went to be to heaven with, with your mom, Kay. And, uh, you know, millions of people have seen the final messages of your dad uh, since he passed away. Incredible. Because, I mean, he has, a, has an impact just as great through his death as he did during his life. And your dad had such a tr tremendous impact on me. Tammy Whitehurst uh, flew in from Florida last night to be here. And I said, what are you doing here? You're supposed to be in Florida. And she said, you know, I love my church so much. I always try to make sure I, I fly back. That's a testimony to the kind of church that you have. So I was in an airport one night. It was late. And I had to connect a connecting flight. And I was planning on when I got there, eating there, and then taking the next flight. But you, you ever got to an airport like that and everything's already closed? So my gate is, is right there. I'm waiting on my plane and there's a McDonald's right there. But they already have the cage down over it. I mean, you could see the menu. You could see the pictures of the food, but you can't get anything. And so I just like, what am I going to do? There's nothing. nothing to, so I just like, I'm going to read my Bible, okay? So I get my Bible out. And so I'm just, I'm sitting there reading my Bible in the airport. And this guy comes and stands behind me and he goes, hey. He goes, uh, I noticed you're reading my book. I was like, uh, no, I, I'm, I'm reading the Bible. It's God's, God's book, God's word. And he goes, yeah, I wrote it. He goes, uh, you like it? That's when I closed up my Bible. I said, you know, I, I didn't get your name. What's your name? He said, well, I'm God. I said, oh, I've been looking for you. 
I said, man, you have such great timing showing up right now. I said, I can't believe it. I said, hey, I need a favor, God. I said, McDonald's is closed, but you're God, so this won't be a problem for you. I need a number one right there off the menu, a quarter pounder with cheese, and I want you to place it right here. You think he did it? No, he gave me all kinds of excuses why he couldn't do it and all this. And I said, look, sir, there's two supreme facts in this world that you need to be aware of. Number one, there is a God. And number two, you ain't him. I mean, if you claim to be something more than a mere human being on this planet, you had better be able to back it up. I read the story about a man who became a doctor. It was his first day of being a doctor. He took a new job. His first job, actually, as a doctor, it was in a mental institution. You know, you got to start somewhere, right? That's maybe where your doctor started, right? Practicing, make it all the way up to you. So this doctor is his first day of work. He's in a mental institution. And, and he sees this guy standing in the corner. And he's like this. Just got his hand in his pocket. He just stands there all day, just kind of comatose. So he, he goes to one of the nurses, and he goes, he goes, what's that guy's deal over there, standing in the corner with his hand? And she said, that guy thinks he's Napoleon. The doctor says, Napoleon? He thinks he's Napoleon Dynamite? She said, no, no, no. He thinks he's Napoleon Bonaparte. He thinks he's the emperor of France. So the doctor said, really, this is going to be my first cure. I'm going to go cure this guy. So he walks over to the guy and says, hey, I'm Dr. Brown. What's your name? And the man says, why, I'm Napoleon. The doctor said, really? Who told you you were Napoleon? And the man said, why, God did. Right at that moment, a guy standing right behind him goes, no, I didn't. I mean, if you claim to be something that a more than a mere human being on this planet you had better be able to back it up i read the story about muhammad ali he was the heavyweight champion of the world he was on a 747 that began to experience severe turbulence the turbulence was so bad it became life-threatening and they turned on the fastened seatbelt sign they warned all the passengers over and over but ali refused to buckle up buckle his seatbelt so the flight attendant she at risk to her life, she unbuckled. She went over to Ali and began to explain to him how he too was going to have to fasten his seatbelt. Ali just stared. She said, sir, you're going to have to fasten your seatbelt. And finally, he, he looked at her. He glared at her for a long time. Finally, he said these words. He said, Superman don't need no seatbelt. To which the flight attendant said, Superman don't need no airplane. I mean, if you claim to be something more than a mere human being on this planet, you had better be able to back it up. And 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ came to this planet and announced that he was the Savior for the world. Do you know what it means to be a Savior? In the Greek, the word to save is the image of a lifeguard. You know this word. But wouldn't it be strange if you were a lifeguard who didn't know how to swim? You know, I read the story one time, it was in USA Today, uh, about a lady. And uh, she was home, and uh, she didn't know how to swim. She was watching her grandkids, and one of the grandkids fell into the, to the pool. And she knew she didn't have time to call 911. So she ran out there, she dove into the pool, she did what she could. The sad ending to this story was that a few hours later, both were found deceased in the bottom of the pool. Because in order to be a lifeguard, it's not enough just to be willing to save. 
You must be able to save. And let me tell you something. 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ came, died on a cross to solve the greatest problem that you have. And everybody in this room has the same greatest problem. You know what it is? Sin. And what does sin bring, bring forth? Death. And 100% of everybody ever born dies. I learned that at Texas A&M Law School. Yes, we learn stuff there. Walt Tehan, Aggie, up here, up here singing. So we had a lot of Aggies on the platform. I, I can't believe when I said Texas A&M, we didn't hear some whoops. 100% of everybody ever born dies. And you know what? You have to pick a lifeguard. And you know, picking a religious lifeguard is not like picking ice cream. When you pick ice cream, you know, we'd all pick different things. I mean, some of us in here that, you know, really have the Holy Spirit, we'd pick cookies and cream bluebell. But others, you know, they'd pick other things. But you know, all those things are preferences. You know, choosing a religious leader is not like choosing ice cream. It's like choosing medicine. When you choose medicine, you go, you know, I don't want to take that today because I really like the blue pills. That's the color I want to take. So I'm just going to take some of these, and that looks pretty over here. You don't take medicine like that. You have, when you take medicine, you're taking it for a very specific reason to get the cure to the disease that you've been diagnosed with. And when it comes to religious leaders, many people have claimed to be your savior. Many people have claimed to be your cure, but the problem is they're all dead. Muhammad is dead. Buddha is dead. Confucius is dead. But Jesus Christ came back from the grave to demonstrate that he has the power to deliver you from death and hell. Now, today I'm going to do something that you've probably never, ever seen a Baptist preacher do. I'm going I'm to attempt to do something you've never seen. Today I'm going to attempt to preach, wait for it, a one-point sermon. It's true. I'm going to do a one-point sermon today. Now, <laughs> you laugh. Uh, now, I realize I have preached a no-point sermon many, many times. You can ask Brother, Ch Brother Charles. I've done it. Uh, but I used to preach for him in Port Natchez. Uh, uh, he and Becky, man, we go way back to the Golden Triangle. God, I love your pastor so much. And so, but he's not going to be here to hear me preach this. No, I mean, this one-point sermon today. And here's the one point. 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ made a one-of-a-kind, unique claim. And here's the point. He backed up his claim. Now, you've heard this. That Jesus Christ is in the name above all names. But did you know this? That Jesus Christ made the claim above all claims. If you were God and you were going to come to this planet and you were going to try to demonstrate that you were God who became a human, how would you do it? How would you do it? The way that Jesus Christ did it is that when Jesus Christ began his earthly ministry at 30 years of age, he unleashed an avalanche of miracles that arrested this world's attention. He healed men blind from birth. He raised the dead. He did miracles that would astound the modern scientific community today. But today, when many skeptics look at the life and miracles of Jesus Christ, they say things like, Jesus never did any of those miracles. Jesus was just some kind of clever magician who was able to fool the pre-scientific people of his generation. Oh, really? Have you ever noticed the kind of miracles that Jesus did? I mean, you, can, you still can't do them today. Healing men blind from birth, raising the dead. When's the last time you saw somebody raise the dead? The kinds of miracles that Jesus did are 
unbelievable. In fact, remember what Jesus told people in his generation. He said, if you don't believe the words that I say, believe the works that I do. Because he attested all of his teachings with signs, wonders, and miracles. Now, remember I told you I was an atheist for 21 years. Did you know that before I became a Christian, I read the Bible cover to cover. I mean, cover to cover. In fact, uh, I was right here in Longview, Texas. I was applying for a job, and, at, uh, and I worked for Kirby Restaurant Supply, if you know where that is, out on Eastman Road. And uh, I remember Grace Bell was interviewing me and asked me if I went to church anywhere, and I said, no, but I'm reading the Bible. She said, you're reading the Bible? I said, I said yeah, I'm almost to the New Testament. She hired me when I was a non-Christian. I would later become a Christian because when I read the Bible... I got all the way to the Gospel of John. And when I was in John, I read something disturbing. Because Jesus is talking to a group of skeptics, and these skeptics are not getting it. And Jesus said, you're never going to get it because you're not my sheep. He said, my sheep hear my voice. (laughs) I was right here in Longview, Texas. And I remember, this is like the first time God ever spoke to me. I was sitting there reading that Bible. And I thought, well, who are Jesus' sheep? And this voice came into my head, people who love truth. Now, that's when I realized, that ain't, that's not me. Because I was reading the Bible to find out what was wrong with it. I was reading the Bible to find loopholes and everything else. But I'm going to tell you something. If you're somebody here who loves truth, you're going to love Jesus. You're going to love God because I'm going to tell you something. The world has told you a lie. The world has told you that you're just nothing but a bunch of moving chemicals. That you came from evolution. You're just a random chance. There's nothing different about you than anybody else. That you're fungible. You know what fungible means? It means it's the same as something, something else. Like dollar bills are fungible. You go, oh, I don't want that dollar bill. I really wanted that dollar bill. Okay, right here. It's the same. M&Ms are fungible. Things that are just the same. People are not fungible. I'm going to tell you something. There's never, ever, ever been anybody like you, ever. And you know this in your heart. You know that when you die, that's it. There'll never be another you. You are so special. You were created in the image of God. And you know those feelings that you have. You were made in the very image of God. You were created for a reason and a purpose. And so many people have been lying to you. But I'm going to tell you something. God has an incredible plan for your life. I remember the day that I accepted Christ into my heart in Gladewater, Texas. I'll tell you something. The Holy Spirit came inside me. I have never, ever been the same. I would go on and I would read the Bible all the way to the end. And you know, and I also studied all the historicity of Christ. Looked at all the the, the manuscripts and looked at all the evidence and archaeology and all this stuff. And you know one of the things that really blew me away about Christianity is that Jesus did all these miracles. Did you know that not one first century eyewitness ever tried to disprove his miracles? Now that's strange. Because, I mean, imagine if we had somebody today show up in Longview, Texas, and they're down at downtown, and they're doing miracles. Well, we might all go down there to see if they could do them. And what would we be looking for if they were doing them? We'd be looking for how they did their tricks. People want to know how Harry Houdini got out of that water tank. People want to know how David Copperfield did all his stuff. And by the way, there's shows and you can watch YouTube videos on how the magicians, all their tricks and all this stuff. Because they all eventually get caught. But did you know, read the Bible. 
Read the Bible about the skeptics in Jesus' day. Did you know the skeptics in Jesus' day had meetings about his miracles? But they're not what you think. No, no. They never had meetings in Jesus in the first century to discuss whether or not Jesus could do miracles. Look what the Bible says. They met to see how they could stop him from doing any more. Even Nicodemus, a ruler of the Pharisees, he said to Jesus' face, he said, no one can do the things that you do except they be from God. Now, here's something very bizarre that maybe no one's ever told you. Did you know that no first century eyewitness ever denied the fact that Jesus could do miracles? In fact, the Jewish Talmud, which dates 100 to 500 A.D., a collection of many Jewish writings, it says that the reason that Jesus could do miracles was because he was a sorcerer and did them by the power of Satan. You can look it up. It's in Babylonian Sanhedrin 43a. Now, let me, let me tell you something. When I read that as an atheist, and they said, yes, he did all these miracles, but it's okay. He's not God. He did it because he did it by the power of Satan. Do you think that answers all the questions? Let me ask you a question. Do you think that Satan can be real, but God not be real? Mm -mm. No, in fact, if you, if you have a revelation and you suddenly realize that Satan is real, you'll know that God is real. By the way, if one miracle ever happens in the world, there's a God. Just one. That's all it takes. Remember Carl Sagan? He, he was looking for extraterrestrial life, said he. They said, how much, how much evidence would it take you to believe in extraterrestrial life? He said, oh, just one, just one mirror from a spaceship. Just one mirror. See, because, but, but no one in Jesus' day ever denied his miracles. But do you realize it was in the second century? People who weren't even there to see Jesus' miracles they began to first, that's when they first began to deny Jesus' miracles. And from the second century until the present, the miracles of Jesus Christ have been under attack as never before. Do you know what the two most attacked miracles are in the history of the Christian church? Number one, it's what you think. It's the resurrection of Jesus Christ, which, by the way, is the greatest detested religious miracle in all of antiquity. But number two may surprise you. It's the virgin birth. Now, let's take them in reverse order. Why? Would someone attack the virgin birth? Now, I've done debates with atheists all across the country, college campuses, universities, and I was doing a debate one time, and uh, I had an atheist, he said, I'll never become a Christian because of the virgin birth. And I was like, why? And he goes, because the virgin birth's a miracle. <laughs> I thought in Greek, I thought, duh. You say, Greek does a, a Greek word? Yeah. You know what duh means in Greek? It means duh. So I thought, duh. He said, well, he said, I can't believe it because it's a miracle. And I said, well, let me ask you something. So you're saying you can't believe in God because of the miracles. He said, that's exactly what I'm saying. And I was like, so you're saying you'd be way more likely to believe in God if God couldn't do miracles. And he goes, yep, didn't think that through. I was like, what are you going to say to God? God, how'd you create the, the universe? God's like, I got lucky. <laughs> I don't know. So, I mean, that's ridiculous. Do you know it actually takes more faith not to believe in God than it does to believe in God? It's a, see, see, atheism is a faith. It takes a massive amount of faith not to believe in God. So this guy, he said, he said look, I can't believe that that, that Jesus was born of a virgin because that is a miracle. Listen, that's exactly what the Bible says. The Bible says, and a sign shall be given. 
a virgin shall conceive and bring forth the child and they shall call his name Emmanuel. What's Emmanuel mean? God with us. Do you know why the virgin birth is so important? Unlike you and unlike me, Jesus Christ did not have an earthly father. So he did not inherit a sinful nature. Now this is so important because that allowed Jesus to do something we've never ever seen on this planet. And I'm about to tell you something very, very important. Because Jesus Christ wasn't just your Savior. He was your sinless Savior. See, the angel said, and they shall call his name Jesus because he shall save his people from their sins. Saviors save from sin. That means if you're a sinful Savior, you can't even save yourself, much less somebody else. And so Jesus Christ comes into this world by means of a unique, one-of-a-kind birth, and he is, and he has no sin. Now, do you realize, that's one of the greatest miracles that Jesus ever did. What's the first miracle that Jesus ever did? You turn water into wine. But do you realize that Jesus' entire life, he was doing a miracle? I mean, from the time he was born until the time he went to Calvary's cross, he's doing a miracle that you should tell somebody about every single time. You witness to somebody. And by the way, I've got a new gospel presentation out. You can go to our website, defendingthefaith.com. It's, it's brand new. It's called You Never Know. And it uses, it presents the gospel using apologetics through something called the ramp and resurrection, archaeology, miracles, and prophecy, helping this, this, this skeptical generation. But let me tell you about this miracle that Jesus did. Jesus lived the perfect life. The perfect life. It was the continuous miracle of his whole time. You've never met anybody who did that. Jesus said, which of you convinces me of sin? Jesus constantly went around challenging people to prove that he was a sinner. Would that be a good idea for you? <laughs> me? <laughs> no way, man. I mean, nobody, has anybody ever accused you? like, man, you know, we've been trying to catch this person in sin, but we've never done it. You know, the Bible says that he who knew no sin became sin so that you and I could become the righteousness of God. Do you know the virgin birth was so important because of the sinless nature of Christ that it was included in all the early creeds, it was included in the, the Nicene Creed, the, the Apostles' Creed, on and on and on. The early church father, Ignatius, who was martyred in 117 AD, he said the virgin birth is something to be shouted about because it demonstrates that Jesus Christ is your sinless Savior. And then there's the resurrection, the greatest attested religious miracle on, in all of antiquity. It's hard to believe that, that people think that they could attack the, the, the resurrection. I'll close with this story. I was doing a debate with an atheist, and we're at the end of the debate, and he makes the statement. He said, he said Dr. Harper, I don't believe that, that dead people can come back from the grave. And he's in the middle of his closing argument. I'm just sitting there listening. And everything got silent. And then I realized he wanted me to talk. I looked at him and he said, I don't believe that dead people can come back from the dead. Everybody's looking at me, you know. I was like, I don't either. You're good. He said, I don't think you heard me. He said, I don't believe scientifically that dead people can come back from the dead. I said, I'm with you, man. I'm, I'm all in. I don't believe that either. They teach that at Texas A&M, man. You're good. He said, he said, well, 
you should, you should be offended because what I'm telling you is that Jesus Christ didn't come back from the dead. And I said, oh, now you're getting there. Now you're, I said, you're about to make the jump. You're about to cross over because Jesus Christ wasn't a mere man. I quoted him Acts 2.24. You know what Acts 2.24 says? It was impossible that death could hold him because God raised him up. Let me ask you a question. Do you think if God beamed down to earth in the form of a human being right now and you nuked it with an atomic bomb, you would have killed God? Oh, no. Do you realize for three years Jesus Christ walked over out walked all over Palestine like Arnold Schwarzenegger and challenged people. He said, take me out. I'll be back. That's what he did. And do you realize the resurrection is the greatest sign of group of skeptics? They said, Jesus, if you're really the truth, if you really are the Savior, the Messiah, the Christ, prove it. Give us the supreme sign. And Jesus said, only one sign will be given. The sign of Jonah. And he said, Crucify this body, and three days I will come back from the grave. And Jesus came back from the grave to demonstrate that he was the truth. So this atheist said to me, when I said, you know, know, Jesus Christ was God, that's why he came back from the dead. He goes, that's just your opinion. I said, sir, let me tell you something. My opinion came back from the grave. What can yours do? Now, let me tell you something. There's a lot of religious voices in this world saying this way, that way, this truth, that truth. Until one of them comes back from the grave, I'm sticking with Jesus Christ. I gave my life to him, and I've never looked back, and I am not changing my mind. Would you bow with me for a moment of prayer? If you've never come to a time in your life that you've received the Lord Jesus Christ into your heart, would you consider doing that today? Because I promise you this, you've done it your way. You've tried doing this thing called life, and it didn't work. And you've never found that meaning. You've never found the purpose that you've been looking for. Because all the answers are found in him. The ways of a man seem right to him. But the end thereof is the ways of death. So today I implore you, if there's never come a time in your life that you've invited Christ into your life, say yes to Jesus today. That means you're going you're gonna to turn from sin and say, you know what, as best I know how, I want to I turn from my sin and I just want to accept Christ into my life today. If you'd be willing to do that in just a moment, we're going to have an invitation. Kaysen, Pastor Kaysen, standing here at the front. And I want you to step out from your seat boldly today and come down and put your hand in his hand and say pastor I want to follow Jesus Christ today would you be willing to do that during this invitation time maybe you would like to join this church maybe you need to follow through and be baptized this altar is going to be open for prayer father in Jesus name I just pray Lord you'd speak to hearts today change people's lives We'll give you all the glory in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Let's all stand for a few moments of invitation time. If you would like to come, respond quickly as we sing. Take up thy cross and follow me. I heard my master say, 
I sought his will to know. 